Welcome to another installment of Puck University. I'm your host, Tim Williams, joined this week by Dave Dondo. We're going to discuss the conference playoffs. We're going to look at the NCAA tournament picture. Later, I'm also joined by Jerry Keefe, the associate head coach of Northeastern University. He'll talk a little bit about Northeastern's upcoming matchup at Boston University. And I'm also joined by Sydney McKibben, the senior captain of the Wisconsin Badgers. She'll be at the end of the show. So certainly stay tuned for that as well as women's NCAA tournament's about to begin in Wisconsin is a pretty prohibitive favorite. But getting back to the men, the conference playoffs are well underway in the Atlantic Hockey Conference. We'll start there. The quarterfinals are Bentley at Air Force, Mercyhurst at Army West Point, Niagara at Canisius, and Holy Cross at Robert Morris. Now, the two teams that really can be focused on here are Air Force and Canisius. Air Force is still ranked. They were the leaders of the conference for much of the season, but Canisius won their regular season title because they are on fire right now and riding an extremely hot goalie as well. Yeah, their goalie uh, is definitely probably a, a leader for the Mike Richter Award and probably a Hobie, uh, Hobie finalist uh, for consideration. That's a team, though. He's not doing it uh, without shots being, uh, without taking a lot of uh, rubber. He's uh, getting a lot of shots at him. I think that uh, during this whole streak where they have a 15-game unbeaten streak, I think that Kinesius is being outshot during the, during the, during the time, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, Charles Williams is really on top in terms of all the statistical categories in the nation. He has the, he has 948 saves and a 944 save percentage. So yeah. that's that's some pretty insane numbers. He's taking a lot of shots on him, and he's really holding up the Canisius defense. So. If they are to get to the tournament and to do that, they'll have to win the Atlantic. There are no at-large bids in the Atlantic. So to no. do that, they'll have to win the tournament. They have a home game this week against Niagara, or a home series this week against Niagara. But really, they're going to have to contend with Air Force at some point. Yeah, well, first off, they got to get past Niagara. Niagara's had a, a bad season overall, and they'll be the first to tell you that. But, you know, their goalie, uh, Jackson Tekrob, I don't even know how to say his name. This is a guy that was, uh, he's 14, 52, and 11 during his career in the regular season with a 3.29 ER, uh, goals against and 9.04 save percentage. But during the postseason, he's 9 and 8, has a 2.41, and is uh, has a 0.931 save percentage. So, that's a that's a kid that uh, he could be a difference maker. And Canisius, as as strong as they've been as far as winning this year, they're not a given to win this whole thing. And that's the thing about uh, Charles's uh, Hobie hopes and her uh, and his hopes of um, winning any postseason awards. This conference isn't that strong. I think probably the best team in the conference is Air Force. They've beaten Denver. Uh, they've had a, a very strong season. Um, so. One of the problems with the Atlanta Conference and giving awards to them is they get they they don't give as many scholarships out to hockey right now. Now that's going to change in a couple of years. So I think that this league is going to get better and better. But right now, I think you're spot on with Canisius and Air Force being the two teams that uh, w one of those teams will come out of that league for the playoffs. Air Force currently 18th in the USCHO poll and. Right on the right on the pairwise bubble, actually, they're 16th in the pairwise, which for an Atlantic team is a leap forward. So, as well as getting those scholarships, Air Force has had a standout season in the Atlantic. It's just been overshadowed by this run Canisius has been on. So, as that tournament goes on, that will be very interesting. Shifting over to the Big Ten, it's still the regular season in the Big Ten. It's the last weekend coming up. You've got Penn State at Michigan, Michigan State at Minnesota, and then Ohio State at Wisconsin, which is really where the focus is. These are two teams that are very tightly bunched, and with the conference playoffs still coming up, I wouldn't say this is an elimination weekend for either team. So long as they win the Big Ten tournament, they're going to get into the NCAAs. But 
if there's any shot for either of these teams to have an at-large bid, and I'm not sure there is, they'd have to sweep this weekend, either Ohio State or Wisconsin. Dave, do you think either of these teams could get an at-large bid if they don't win the Big Ten? Um, Wisconsin could if they win this weekend. Um, actually, if, it depends on if either one of these teams sweep. Ohio State shot itself in a foot its uh, foot last week by by splitting their season. Um, Ohio State and Wisconsin is the only game of meaning this week in the Big Ten to me because I think Penn State and Minnesota should sweep Michigan and Michigan uh, State. That's the problem with this league is this is such a high offense uh, league. You don't know what's going to happen with it, but I thought that they might get four teams in in the Big Ten. Now I'm thinking that uh, the only the only sure teams that I think get, could get in are Penn State and Minnesota and Wisconsin. Had they swept last week, which they looked like they were going to do before they got routed, that was a uh, by Penn State six zero on Saturday. That was a that was a big that was a big blow to them. Now Penn State should should get in, um, and the Gophers should get in. But I'm not so sure that it, either one of these teams could get in without a sweep. Do you think Penn State's win um, pretty much sealed their bid? I think I think the same thing about that. So I'm just wondering your thoughts on that. Did Penn State get just punch their ticket into the NCAA's last weekend? Yeah, I, I do think that. I think that Wisconsin's an, uh, is a young team, a very hungry team, and when they won on Friday night, I thought that they might come out come out and uh, sweep Penn State. But the Nittany Lions really showed some metal on on ASN on that game that was televised. They really looked great, and it was six zero. They actually, what was most impressive about it is it was a shutout in the Big Ten. <laughs> that's that's uh, that's something that. Uh, doesn't often happen in that league. Yeah, it's not a it's not a league right now known for its defense. It's an offense-driven league and a shooting-driven league. And that's a lot of what Penn State does. We talked about it last week. They'll just pepper a goalie with shots as much as they can, try and defense by possession, basically. Yeah, and that, that could hurt those guys coming into the NCAA tournament. Uh, this league's got to uh, get a little bit stricter, tougher. I think last week there was, a, maybe it was on Friday night, um, everybody gave up five goals. Um, that's, uh, that's not going to cut it against the NCHC, the Hockey East, or the ECAC uh, coming down. Now, they could pull off some uh, some upsets uh, coming into the uh, the hockey tournament in one-game one tournaments, but... Um, I think they got to right now if I was going to if I was going to give the Big 10 the bids I would say that Penn State is in Minnesota is uh Minnesota is in and then we have to see what happens this weekend with the other two. Moving over to the WCHA really quick we're in the semifinals there Bowling Green at Bemidji State Minnesota State at Michigan Tech we were talking about it right before we started recording that it wouldn't be an upset for any of these teams to win that tournament outright, even if none of them are particularly sitting pretty in the pairwise rankings. Right. But there's only one game. There's only one, one game to follow out of this league, out of this one or one team to follow. And uh, that would be Bowling Green at Bemidji State. Bemidji State has dominated this league from start to finish this year, but Bowling Green was the preseason favorite. Um, I think that the winner of this game will probably, of this series will probably go on to win this tournament and get the bid, but they're, they didn't do very well in the interconference this year as a league. And, um, Falcons have won five straight. Bemidji State has been strong all year with their goaltending. I think one thing that people have to look at is uh, Chris Nell, the uh, the junior goaltender from Bowling Green. He's had a shutout streak of 220 minutes during a shutout streak. So he might be overlooked by another Mike Richter Award candidate, Michael Bitzer, who I've talked about all year. Uh, but I think that's going to be a great game. And I think that's the the one game that if you're going to look at a WCHA game this weekend, that's the one that you want to circle. Moving on to the NCHC. This is a real wild conference right now. You have three of the top seven teams in the country in Denver, who's ranked one in the latest US SDHO poll. Minnesota Duluth's number three. And Western Michigan's number seven. Respectively, they'll be taking on Colorado College plays Denver. We know that's a big rivalry game. I don't know if 
there's a whole lot of interest in that game. Otherwise, Denver should be extremely favored in that opening round matchup in the NCHC. Minnesota Duluth takes on Miami. Again, they should be heavily favored. Western Michigan takes on Omaha. Western Michigan is clearly the favorite in that, but Omaha is a dangerous team. But the real headliner matchup in this is North Dakota, 14th in the poll, right on that pairwise bubble we were talking about last week, facing St. Cloud State. Yeah, it gets even more interesting with the NCHC because you're talking rankings, but when you look at the pairwise, which has been the go-to for uh, this the past few years on having to get into the 14, right now Denver's one, Duluth is two, Western Michigan is four. So you've got a potential of three number one seeds. You've got North Dakota was on the bubble last week but swept Omaha, and they moved up to a number 11. So they're actually in that 14, uh, that top 14, which you really have to be at to get into this, uh, to get into the the playoffs right now, if, if past history is in, is anything to, to look at the North Dakota series is going to be, it, it's a true four versus five. I will say this, uh, North Dakota is starting to come around right now. They're double shifting lines with Brock Besser, Tyson Jost, both number one draft, both uh, first round draft picks with, uh, uh, Gersich, who's Michael Gersich, who might be the best, uh, the most improved player in college hockey this year. So they're running that line out. And then they got Tucker Pullman, who a uh, defenseman, I don't see him coming back after this year. Uh, he he's, um, He'll probably leave after the season, I would imagine, for the pros. He's been doing really well. Uh, the other thing that's hurt in St. Cloud State is their top blue liner, Will Borgen. He's a fourth-round pick of the Buffalo Sabres. He touched a ref last week and he's out for the first two games of this series so in order for him to play uh st cloud state is going to have to force a game three on sunday and it could happen because this is a great rivalry uh st cloud state has a lot of talent they know each other very well it's always a coin flip um North Dakota is going to need a great um, – they're going to need a rebound from Cam Johnson, who's had a, a, a good season, not a great season, not like he had last year. But last year he was cleaning up any mistakes that were made. This year any mistake that they're making is getting through, and they have been pounding the puck on opponents. I, I do think in the other games, I think when you look at this, Denver, Duluth, and Western Michigan, they're all in. in North Dakota, if they get to the frozen, uh, frozen face-off, their conference tournament uh, by beating St. Cloud this year, I think they would probably be in too, given their pairwise rankings. But uh, one of the the best underrated series to watch in this is going to be number six Omaha at Western Michigan. You've got two coaches, Dean Blaze and Aaron Murray, uh, who who they're great coaches. They're also um, over sixty six years years of age. And there's been talk about both of them possibly stepping down. Dean, because he uh, hasn't exactly saw eye to eye with the new um, administration over at UNO. And um, Andy might step down because his daughter is coaching for the Team USA. And I believe it's in Korea next year. And I, I believe he, uh, there's been some talk that he might want to go and enjoy that experience with it. But Omaha has 15 or 15 freshmen and six sophomores on their roster so they're at where western michigan was at last year uh so i think that's a great series and they're a team that plays better away from their home yeah that will be a really interesting matchup to to look at and to look for in the nchc with the the omaha western michigan final it's really interesting by the way that for that series, the Western Michigan president, Dr. John Dunn, he's this is his final year. Mm-hmm. He bought out the entire student section because this is a playoff game, so it's not just free for students to show up. He bought out the entire si- student section so students don't have to pay to go to the, these games this weekend. Yeah, I didn't know that, but that is what college uh, sports should be all about. Uh, you want a great atmosphere. I can't imagine that being a better atmosphere. Uh, Western Michigan, I think they were picked to finish sixth in the poll this year, which I thought was low, but they have been a fun team to watch. They're no longer just a physical team. They've really added the skills to their to their uh, repertoire, and I really enjoy watching them. They've got some great goaltending, and Andy's really built a, a team that's going to be around for a while. 
moving over a little bit to the ECAC. Another conference loaded with top 10 teams. You mentioned Harvard was th is three in the latest pairwise. They're currently taking on, or they're going to take on Yale this weekend at Bright Hockey Center. Cornell hosts Clarkson. St. Lawrence earns hosts Quinnipiac. And Union is at home against Princeton. Now, Harvard-Yale, I mentioned that Colorado College at Denver is a rivalry matchup, but there are very few rivalries in any college sport more, more recognizable than Harvard-Yale. So that will be interesting just because of the rivalry aspect of it. And Harvard in the last few years has not quite been the team in the postseason that they have been in the regular season. So this is really a trial by fire for the Crimson. Yeah, but they're also 11-0-1 over the past 12 games. And last year, they, they relied a lot on uh, – it was Jimmy Vesey's team. This year, they have a lot more balance in their in their attack. And so, yes, if it was one game, I would say Yale has a has a shot at, at them. But this is a three-game series. Um, I don't see that Harvard losing it. I think they're going to be one of the top seeds in the in the NCAA tournament. I also think that Union and Cornell are, are basically shoe-ins um, for – for the uh, for the upcoming tournament too. So the teams that I think the best matchup this weekend is going to be uh, Quinnipiac at uh, St. Lawrence. What do you think about that? Well, Quinnipiac came into the season with an extremely high set of expectations. We mentioned last week at one point they were ranked as high as two in the country in a poll. So this is a team that at one point was thinking about the Frozen Four and about national championship and has really fallen on hard times for the rest of the year, but they can still do some damage. They, they are still a very talented team, and they're taking on a St. Lawrence team that has been tough all year, that is on the outside looking in in those pairwise rankings at tied for 21, but they're a very dangerous team. Yeah, they're tied with Quinnipiac at, at, at 21, but... Uh, St. Lawrence, you know, they've only won one of their last six games, whereas the Bobcats, uh, I believe they've won uh, five straight. Is that what it is? I'm not sure. Yeah, they have a five-game winning streak, I believe, coming into it. And their seniors uh, has won – their senior class has won over 100 games. They made it to the Frozen Four uh, final game last year. It looks like they're hitting their stride just at the right time. So, you know, St. Lawrence has Kyle Hayton, uh, I think, is one of the best goaltenders. He has a 937 save percentage. But Quinnipiac is uh, a team that seems to be building at the right time. And with both of them at 21, if you want a dark horse or a bubble team that needs to win the tournament, it's it's the winner of this game, this series. Yeah, we'll be talking about that a lot right after we finish with these conference tournaments as well, that there are a bunch of teams right now who can either who are either facing elimination, as you could say, this weekend, and there are some other teams that already wouldn't necessarily expect to be in the tournament, but could crash the party. And we'll talk about that right after we talk about Hockey East, and we'll talk about Hockey East right after we come back from the break. This is Puck University. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Puck University. We're talking about the conference tournaments right now with Dave Dondana. And we're moving on to Hockey East, where there was a big upset last weekend. That was the team nobody wanted to play in the Hockey East playoffs. Merrimack College got upset at Lawler Arena by a UNH team led by Tyler Kelleher. Now, Kelleher had three points on the weekend, so it was really a team effort. It was quite a shock that UNH pulled this upset. Oh, gosh, yes. I, that's something I didn't expect. But we did talk about Merrimack not having the consistency that it needed throughout the year. And uh, they might have looked past uh, this mass team. But what a great job their new coach has done this year uh, with that team. And that uh, that line of uh, Kelleher, McNichols, uh, McNicholas, and uh, Salvaggio, uh, they have a combined 59 goals and 141 points, I believe, on the season. Um, that's a, That's pretty impressive. It just speaks to what we were talking about earlier about how deep Hockey East is as a conference, that 
New Hampshire finished 10th in the conference, and they were still able to upset Merrimack. Now, they'll be facing a University of Massachusetts at Lowell team that really should handle them without any problem. As good as their upset was last week, I, I just don't see them repeating that against Lowell. No, they Mass Lowell has, has been that team that I've been on all year long because they've got a lot of balance, a lot of depth. Their power play has uh, been going off over the last 19 games. They're uh, they're clicking at a almost a 36 percent um, success rate, and they have five players with double digits uh, in goals or points. Um, they're a team that uh, led by uh, uh, Joe Gambardella. He has 46 goals and, and uh, 76 assists in 143 games. So he's been there before. Norm Bazin, he does a great job. Uh, this has been my pick to win the conference this year. I guess I had BU, and then I kind of switched to Nor- uh, to Mass Lowell. But those two teams, I think, are the class of uh, Hockey East right now. Well, I think right now the advantage sits firmly with Massachusetts Lowell because they get New Hampshire. Everyone else in the conference has a pretty tough matchup. Boston College hosts Vermont. Providence goes to Notre Dame, so Notre Dame's hosting Providence. And then BU has to host Northeastern. They were going to get a tough matchup either way. They were either going to get Northeastern or they were going to get Merrimack. They dodged Merrimack, who swept them earlier in the year, but now they get Northeastern. But the matchup for now I'd like to focus on, Vermont at Boston College. BC has fallen quite a bit in the last couple of months. They've really been slipping. So they we've established they really need to win the Hockey East Tournament to make it in. Yeah, I is there any way Vermont can make it in? I guess if they if they sweep this weekend, do you think that's enough for Vermont? Well, they're 15th pairwise right now, and they've had a great season. They've won 20 games already, but I think that they're going to have to win the tournament to get in uh, on it. And I, I do think that they have a good shot at winning the tournament, and I, I do think they've got a great shot. This is one of those number six versus number three seeds where the six is probably the favorite for most teams. Um, you know, they, they dominated uh, Maine last week to get here. Boston, uh, Boston College went 0-5-2 since, uh, in its last seven games. So I think that the Catamounts, they've got a lot of young talent. They've got very strong goaltending. I don't think that there's an overpowering team in the hockey East. That's been the most, that's been very consistent. I, there's a couple of teams with potential, but I think the Catamounts are one of the more consistent teams that in that whole hockey East. Yeah. I'd say consistency has been Vermont's strength in a way that you're right. Hockey East really hasn't been displaying in any of the other teams. Providence at Notre Dame is a really dead even matchup as well. Yeah, you could take that coin flip. Um, if you're going to give an edge, you got to give it, I think, to Notre Dame because they're playing at home and they've got Cal Peterson and Nett. Um, but other than that, that's it. I last week I told you I was a uh, I was a big Jake Wallman fan, and I'm I'm thinking that you know Providence, the Friars, their team that. Uh, is a title contender for the hockey East. Uh, I think they went 13 and one down the stretch, which is remarkable for where they started out after losing all of that talent last year. You know, you mentioned title contender for hockey East. I'd say at this point, the only team who's still playing in that conference who wouldn't be considered a title contender is New Hampshire. Right. Yes. Yeah. Because if you look at the Northeastern BU lineup, which I know you're going to get to in a second, that is going to be one of the most exciting tournament uh, games, I think, of the of the weekend. It shouldn't be when you look at a, a number two versus a number seven, but uh, Northeastern is you can't stop, help but look at their run last year. And uh, even though Joe, uh, Jake Ettinger, Ettinger has uh, been one of the top goalies in the league this year and Ryan Ruck has struggled, uh, he, Ryan Ruck has only saved the 896 save percentage this year, but he was the backbone of their run last year. Northeastern's a team that's gotten healthy. Uh, playing last week helped them a lot. I don't know if the week off will help BU kind of uh, solidify uh solidify their lineup and and get a little bit more consistent on the blue line and uh 
just keep working hard, you know. That's the thing that I think with BU sometimes they have so much talent. Each player is going to have to take a little bit more responsibility and uh, try to take it upon their shoulders and do their job a little bit more because Northeastern is one offensive team, <laughs> strong team with a lot of offense. Yeah, and Northeastern thrives on the power play, and they draw a ton of penalties. They're actually tied for the lead in the country in penalty opportun- power play opportunities. They lead the country in power play goals, and they're second in percentage. So that's a team that you don't want to lose a little bit of discipline against. You don't want to lose your focus against Northeastern. And as you mentioned, this has kind of become endemic to their program, that under Jim Madigan, they had these late-season surges that last year led them to a hockey title. Now, they haven't been on quite the surge they were last year, but they have right now two of the top lines in the country are their top two lines. So that's BU's going to have to survive those two lines and beat Northeastern with depth. Of course, they have a lot of stars in their own, right, with Jacob Forsbacka Carlson and Clayton Keller, among many others. But that's going to be a really fascinating matchup, and it's going to be the one this weekend that might be the loudest because it's not quite a walking distance game, but it's very easy for people from Northeastern to get to a Gannis Arena, so... It will be filled, it will be loud this weekend, and that will be ASN's featured game on Saturday night, game two of the up-to-three-game series with Northeastern facing Boston University at Aganis Arena. So that will be a real interesting matchup, and we'll talk about that a little more in my interview with Jerry Keefe later on. Moving on. Oh, Sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I think that out of all of those Hockey East games series this weekend, the only one that I expect a sweep out of is Mass at Mass Lowell. Yeah, New Hampshire's going to be in a lot of trouble against Massachusetts Lowell, but it's a, it's, it's a good story that New Hampshire's got this far, that they're able to take on Norm Basin's team. So it's, and again, speaks to the depth of that conference because when you're, when the 10th best team in your conference has a guy as good as Kelleher, that speaks to how good your conference can be. Right. So let's talk about a few teams that are facing elimination this weekend. We touched on all of these already a little bit, but just a little more on it. We already mentioned Air Force. There's no way they can get in that large bid. The Atlantic Conference doesn't really stand a chance for an at-large bid, so... Air Force is facing elimination as well as Kinesia, so I think we can we can all agree on that. Right. Yep. Boston College is facing elimination, and I think the big story with them is how much is the bye week going to help them? Because you mentioned they really came into the end of the season skidding, and that is not what Jerry York teams are used to doing. This is what he likes to call trophy season after all. And for them to be in this kind of shape at this time of year is really uncharacteristic of, of the Boston College Eagles. But that's where their bye week comes into play. And I think that you can't have a better coach for that situation than Jerry York. He's been through this a lot of times. Well, the most wins in the history of our most, he, he reached a thousand wins uh, last year. He's a great recruiter. He's, uh, he's used to coaching talent and they've got a lot of talent over there. I think if any, if any team could uh, got a benefit out of a bye week, it was uh, Boston College. Yeah, and, and while Vermont's results with Maine were very impressive and they played very well in those two games, those games were a little bit closer than they looked. There were, it was a lot of late goals in those games, so Vermont had their hands full. They're, they're happy to keep in rhythm, and with their consistency, it's probably best that they didn't have a week off, but Vermont had a bit of a handful this, this weekend. Yeah, the Catamounts are um, they're just so resilient, and they're, they're 15th in the pairwise, and I do think that you've got to get into that top 14 to do it. it they've got a great chance, though, when they play B.C., if they can sweep BC or if they get past BC, they're a contender in this. In this, uh, they're they're definitely a, one of those bubble teams that could win it. Um, it would be a great story if they won it too, uh, given their their recent history and their their rise this year. 
Yeah, that would be a great story for Vermont to get into the NCAAs. Sticking with Hockey East teams that might be facing elimination this weekend, do you think Notre Dame has any chance of getting into the tournament if they lose this weekend? No. I think they're on the bubble, too. I think they're at 14 with Wisconsin, North Dakota. They're, they're, all three of those teams are um, – they, they need wins this, to, uh, to get in. Um, they've won 19 games. I just, I just don't see them getting in without, uh, without winning their tournament. I'd, I think I'd have to agree there. And the last team I have on my list of teams that are facing elimination this week, and this one I know you'll be able to speak about at great length, the North Dakota Fighting Hawks. Yeah. Well, it's from my hometown, so I, I do get to follow them a little bit closely. And uh, their their local newspaper guy does a great job of uh, keeping abreast. So they are a team that um, – you know, last year they had this magical run, and they they all the way to the, the title. They've got a lot of veteran. They had a lot of veteran leadership, and they it's taken a while this year to get back to. And I'm not sure they're back yet. Back to that uh, that that swagger uh, back. Brock Besser coming back. His wrist is finally, I think, getting healed. Tyson Jost, if you haven't seen him play, he might be the best two-way player in all of college hockey. Shane Gersich has been amazing. Uh, he's been their best scorer, which I think was a bit of a surprise. They really need uh, Cam Johnson to mop up uh, the mistakes, you know, make some saves that, uh, you know, maybe shouldn't be made. You know, he needs he needs to be that dominating thing because one thing, over the past three weeks, people don't realize, I don't think, they look at the scores, they see the splits, but they've out, they've put 40 shots on nets in a couple of games and lost. They've run into some hot goaltending. I don't know if it's snake bit or they're just not that uh, they just don't have the scoring that they typically do. But yeah, that's a that's definitely a uh, one of several bubble teams. I think you know after this weekend, it wouldn't surprise me if St. Cloud got in if if they sweep North Dakota if they beat North Dakota. And actually, there's only one team in that division that I think has a um that would be a major shock to to not get to the frozen four to the frozen face off and that would be um Colorado College but all these other teams they're very strong and likewise while we're talking about teams that may be facing elimination I'd also like to bring up a few teams one in each conference except as we established the WCHA doesn't really have any upsets although Bemidji State has run away with the conference in the regular season in terms of overall national pairwise rankings, there's no one in the WCHA that would be considered a shock winner of the conference. So, But looking at the other conferences, there's a team in each of them that could crash the party of the NCAA tournament that you don't see in that they're not on the bubble right now, the only way they could get in is to win their conference tournament. But the teams that you don't want to face right now, and I think you touched on the first one just now, St. Cloud State. I there's a team that could really that could surprise people and make the make their way into the NCAAs, even though they've been on the outside looking in pretty much all year. Oh yes, uh, I think they're going to be a tough they're going to be a tough uh, tough out for anybody. You know, one team that. I think is is really a bubble team or a, a, a team to keep an eye on that we didn't touch on was uh, number seven Princeton uh, out of the EC uh, out of the ECAC. When you look at that, they're playing Union. Princeton barely got in. You know they they did a last second goal and an overtime goal to to win their series last weekend. But now they're playing Union. Union to me is a is a, they're ranked. A number eight pairwise, but they're a they're a front loaded team with uh, Spencer Fu and uh, Vecchioni. But Princeton has beaten some great teams this year, so I'm I'm going to keep an eye on that series too. And Princeton, I don't even know where they're at. They're number thirty one pairwise. So if you want to look at a team that could crash the party, that might be one team uh, to look at. Yeah, I was going to say my ECAC pick for the team that could really that could surprise people is Quinnipiac, but I guess that wouldn't really be crashing the party if they were in the national final last year and they were so good last year and came into this season with such high expectations as we established. 
I guess it wouldn't really be that that shocking to see them get in, but as their status right now, they're they're on the outside looking in, along with St. Lawrence, who's also a very dangerous team. They'll be playing each other. So, but I think you're right. I don't think Princeton should be counted out. That's a team that's a little bit tougher than their pairwise ranking implies. Yeah, the ECAC. The only team out of the top seven we haven't talked about is number six, Clarkson. And Clarkson could po- come in and, and do some damage to Cornell too. Although I think Cornell is one of the one of those teams that's uh, putting it all together toward the end of, end of the season behind Mitch Gillum. Their goalie. Yeah, they're in, they're in the best possible form for for this time of year. But but you're right that you can't count out either. And then looking at Hockey East. I would say the team that I look at that would be a real surprise if they made it in, but not that surprising that they could win the tournament is Northeastern. Right now, they're playing their best hockey. They're as healthy as they've been all year. And while you mentioned the inconsistency, and that's being kind of generous to Ryan Ruck <laughs> to say inconsistent, they they do need a big performance out of him, and they need four wins to have any shot whatsoever. They're not... They're nowhere near an at-large bid. But that's a team that, well, their top two lines can compete with anybody in the country. And while that's two lines are not a hockey team, that's quite a start. That's going to be a difficult thing to get past for BU or for anybody. And if they make it past BU, it's all single elimination from there on out. You know, Northeastern's uh they have the league's top offense, 3.78 per game, and the, and they have uh, one of the top power plays at almost 29% per game conversion. And Northeastern almost seems like a team where you look at and go, uh, say, they kind of tanked this season almost, and now the, this is a team with a lot of talent that underperformed that might look at this postseason and say, okay, here's our chance to get it going. We did it last year. Let's do it again. Let's Let's get going. Yeah, and that will be a again that will be ASN's featured game this week, Saturday, game two of the Northeastern at BU series. We've talked a lot about Northeastern, and I'm prone to do that since I went to Northeastern. But there's also on the other side of this an extremely good BU team that I think can be considered a national championship contender, not just a hockey East contender. And they're they're a stacked team. I mentioned Forsbacker Carlson and Clayton Keller. Dave Quinn talked a lot about this a lot this week about discipline and about trying to get his team to play. Well, they're a young team, but they need to play a little less like a young team at this point in the season. I think that's really the key this weekend. The more disciplined they can be, the more they can take that potent power play away from Northeastern, the better off they are. Because Northeastern on the man advantage is about as dangerous as any team in the country. Like I said, they lead the country in goals on that end. Yeah, you can't. But the talent that B has assembled this year is is amazing. But it, it's you know with the four first round picks that they have, five first round picks, I believe it, isn't it? Uh, but you know they, they're gonna they've got you know Jordan Greenway, Charlie McAvoy. People always talk about uh, Clayton Keller, but Bobo Carpenter's right there. Uh, uh, Carlson's right there, the Kiefer Bellows. You wonder if, uh, and Chad Chris, you wonder if some of this talent, how much of this talent will be around after the season, um, if this is just one and done for, for some of these players. But um, they have the talent to match anybody in the conference or anyone in the, in the nation, I should say. Whether they can put it all together, a big key for them winning this weekend is going to be can you keep out of the box and not get frustrated trying to keep up with Northeastern's two league, two lines that can be, um, you know, pretty fast and, and uh, pretty annoying to opponents. Yeah. And they play a lot of aggressive hockey Northeastern. So they, they can try and goad teams into it. They're not afraid of taking penalties themselves. And BU has a pretty good power play. They also have a fantastic penalty kill which should be mentioned in this, they have the seventh best penalty kill percentage in the country. So so BU has been able to deal so far with people getting a man up on them, but that's going to be difficult against Northeastern. It's certainly something Dave Quinn's been working on, so it'll be interesting to see if they're ready for that come tournament time. And, of course, 
with both of these schools, it's always worth mentioning that they have a little bit of tournament experience coming into this time this year because they played in the bean pot. I think even though they didn't win it, it's going to be a very good learning experience for BU, what Harvard was able to do to them, and how can they stop that in the future. I think that's really the key to whether they can win the national championship or not. If they can figure out how to stop teams from doing what Harvard did to them, they're a tough team to beat. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I, I go out and say this. If, if, even if they're shorthanded with uh, Clayton Keller, he has four shorthanded goals this year. Bobo Carpenter has a couple. Um, that is a, a very strong team. With a that, um, I, I just don't see I, – I see this series going three games, but I do see the Terriers uh, advancing. Yeah, they're certainly the favorites, and it's hard to pick against them at home, even though it's not a long trip for Northeastern. And that 200 by 90 ice sheet, it's funny, it actually, Aganis Arena has that ice sheet because back when their coach was Jack Parker, they were building the arena, he requested that they have the same size rink as Matthews Arena. So I talked about that with Jerry Keefe today, or this week that that's a really interesting way to prepare for a game. They have the same uniquely kind of weird for hockey circumstances ice sheet. So that'll be a really interesting matchup, but you're right. BU is absolutely the favorite three games would be, would be a very good matchup. That's going to be an interesting game and a real test for BU. But if BU can come out of that, that could be a huge stepping stone for them moving forward into those hockey semifinal and final and then moving into the NCAA tournament that their spot's already pretty much locked up. So that's going to be an interesting game on ASN this week. Dave Dondino, any final thoughts, anything to look for in college hockey? And how do we find you on Twitter? You can find me at Dakota High, um, at Dakota High, Dakota, Hawaii. Um, probably the only college hockey writer in Hawaii right now. But my final thought is that this is a great time of year. You've got, uh, you're going to see a, a lot of roster changes coming up with teams dropping out and players going to the NHL. You're going to see some upsets, some teams that feel like this is their new, their the, the new season for them, so to speak. And I think they're going to have some renewed energy. Uh, some teams that have been doing pretty well, I think are going to feel, feel some pressure. Uh, it's just one of the greatest weekends in college hockey is this weekend right now. All right, Dave Dondino, hockey writer at large. Thank you for coming on the show this week. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you later. It's not just about the wins and losses. It's about the fights and tosses. Steps up, centers it, shot. Oh, what a sprawling save. It's always hockey season. Every slap. Every scrape, every score. See it all live on the American Sports Network. Welcome back to Puck University. Joining me today is Jerry Keefe, Associate Head Coach at Northeastern University. Jerry, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thank you. How are you doing, Tim? I'm doing very well. Northeastern takes on Boston University this weekend at Aganis Arena. On Saturday night, ASN will be there. It will be our featured game for the week, Northeastern at BU. That's game two of a up to three-game series between the two teams in the second round, quarterfinal round of the Hockey East Tournament. Jerry, Zach Aston reese leads the country in goals scored and is tied for the nation's lead in points. Having seen him for his entire time at Northeastern, how has Zach been able to elevate his game in his senior season? Well, I think he had a uh, he had a really good junior year last year. I think he finished with 43 points and uh, had a really good second half of the year. And he's actually a really hardworking kid. Um, had a great summer. Uh, was expecting big things from himself this year, and you know, he got off to a good start. And you know, the one thing about him is he uh, you can't always judge him by his points because I think he plays such a complete game. But uh, playing with a lot of confidence, he's a determined kid and. Uh, you know, I think you really want to finish up having a great year, senior year. How much of a luxury is it to have two lines as strong as the top two lines the Huskies have this year? Well, it, it is nice as far as matchups go. Um, 
you know, having having, you know, one line going and another team worried about that line, now you can throw out uh, you know, Godet's line, for instance, with Secure and um Sam Kirker on that line and teams have to worry about that line and then you come back with Steven's line. So um, it, it is nice. I think they, they push each other. Um, even in practice, I think both lines play against each other a lot, and uh, it's a healthy competition. And um, it definitely, uh, it's definitely nice to have uh, the luxury of having two, two dangerous lines. Northeastern's second in the country in power play percentage leads the country in power play goals. As a coach who focuses on the power play, what would you say it is about this team that's made them so potent on the man advantage? Uh, they really know each other well. Um, I, I think we we take a lot of pride in attacking from different areas, um, whether you know it might be off of a face-off and it might be on the entry, it could be on a broken play, and I, I think they're they're always in attack mode. That's something we talk about a lot, and, and I think they're just so comfortable uh, kind of knowing their outs when they get in trouble and, you know, attacking, like I said, from different areas of the ice. So um, we've got some guys that have, uh, you know, played played together for a while. So I know that that, uh, that helps a lot. Likewise, Northeastern's among the national leaders in opportunities on the power play. In fact, they've had 37 more power plays this season than their opponent this weekend in BU. So what is it about the style of play that Northeastern has that's been allowing them to draw just so many penalties this year and traditionally throughout the last few? Um, I think we take a lot of pride in our down low game. Uh, we focus on uh, a lot of puck possession and, um, you know, kind of keeping our feet moving, being heavy on the puck down below the goal line. And I think that can force uh, teams into uncomfortable situations where they might have to hook and hold and, um, it's something that we, we definitely focus on a lot here offensively. So, um, you know, it, it's it's kind of bold well for us with uh, our power play going so well and, and obviously getting a lot of opportunities is, uh, kind of goes hand in hand. In his conference call this week, BU coach Dave Quinn talked a lot about the importance of getting his team to stay disciplined. How can a hockey team throw their opponent off their game and get their team get a team prone to occasional lapses in that department to get into a bad position? Um, well, you know, to be, to be honest, I, I think a lot of it is, and I, I think coach Quinn probably talked about this too, but our focus is so much on what we're going to do. Um, I think it's important to, to know other teams tendencies and, you know, kind of how they defend and, you know, what they're looking for offensively. But I think our focus is to go in and really focus on what we need to worry about and what we need to do to, to have success. So um, I think that's really kind of been our – what we've been talking about a lot is, you know, what our identity as a team is. And, and I think that's what we need to do is to go into BU and really kind of execute our game plan. And, you know, hopefully they have to kind of adjust to what we're doing. What impact do you think that the different rink sizes across college hockey has on a on a team from week to week? For example, does it help in preparing for this weekend any that a Gannis Arena has the same size ice sheet as Matthews Arena? Yeah, I, I, that's a great question. I definitely think it does um, because we, we haven't had to put a lot of focus on that, I think. Going into certain weeks when we play at UNH and UMass, um, you know we have to talk a lot about that. We have to talk about the the width of the rink and using the whole ice, and it, it it definitely changes how you defend and your angles and things like that. So we're definitely familiar with the sheet, um, the size of it, because we skate on ours every day. So that hasn't been a huge focus point for us, where we can I guess talk about some other things, uh, which is nice. But definitely in college, that does come into play. I mean, you know, you go into Merrimack and, you know, you kind of change just how you want to play offense a little bit and, you know, getting more pucks to the net and having to, you know, kind of attack from different areas of the ice. So um, I think that is a – that's a good point that going into BU, we are familiar with the rink size. In the past few years, Northeastern has been able to shake off what have been kind of relatively slow starts and finish the season in top form. While injuries during the regular season have certainly had a lot to do with that, especially these last two years, 
How has this team developed such a knack for late season surges, being the team nobody wants to play in March? Well, it's definitely not how you draw it up. I know this year we we went into uh, into the season and really talked about how we can we can be a better team at the start of the year, and it was it was a big focus for us. Um, you know, was, I, I don't really want to compare our years from last year to this year because they're they're actually very different. I think the the injuries, um, you know, they definitely played a part in it. But I also think you know over the course of the year you you really kind of develop your identity as a team and. Guys start to, you know, play their roles a little bit, a uh, little bit more. I know we had some guys maybe slotted in different situations as the year went. So, I think we're finally in in a in a situation where our lineup is is kind of where it should be. And I think guys have really bought into how they have to play to to have success and for our team to have success. And um, it's definitely a work in progress as you go. And I, I think each team every year kind of has to develop their own identity as a team. And uh, I think right now we, we've started to, to really kind of put an emphasis on that, and we've we've played, you know, better here lately. So we're, so we're still working on it, though. We still have a long way to go. And hopefully uh, this weekend we can, you know, play our best best weekend of, of the year coming up. You played in Hockey East with Providence, and you've been coaching at Northeastern for six seasons. Can you speak a little bit to how far Northeastern's program has come in the last few years, culminating with this team full of some of the nation's top scorers that is such a threat come March and how they've been these last few years, but certainly as well this year. Um, Can you speak a little bit to how far they've come? Yeah, I I think number one, um, I think just identifying the right, the right kids in the locker room. I, you know, I, We've we've really put a focus on just the character of the dressing room, and we've had some some tremendous leaders. And uh, you know, Josh Manson comes to mind. Um, you know, when he was here, I thought he he did a really good job of changing the culture and the expectation. Um, and then the younger guys, you know, that that were on the team when he was here, they've kind of you know taken a lot from what they learned from him. And, and each year, the expectation seems to get higher and higher. And um, you know, we've put an emphasis on that as a coaching staff. You know, we we know the league we play in; it's it's a tough league. I mean, you look at the opponent we're playing this weekend; they're one of the best programs, you know, in the history of college hockey. And um, you know, we we've just kind of been battling to get to that point. We know we have to probably do it a little bit differently. Um, I, I think we do have some good talent on our, on our team. There's no doubt, but we also have to be a team that you know is with character, leadership, and, you know, we're going to have to grind wins out and we're going to have to, you know, win maybe a little bit differently. But it's uh, it's been fun because we've had just a tremendous group of kids here. And uh, each year it just seems like, you know, we, we, we bring in the young guys and we learn from the old guys. And, um, again, just kind of the expectation here now is to, is to win and to do it the right way, and it's been fun to be part of. Yeah, on my end, I I went to Northeastern back from 2001 to 2006. I remember what this program was back then. And I see the team now, and I see the kind of recruits they're bringing in, and I see – you mentioned the expectations. The expectations used to be entirely defined by two weeks in February, and now suddenly there's a coaching staff that talks about bigger and better things. And that's a real paradigm shift for Northeastern that's really changed a lot for the for the program. Yeah, um, obviously the two weeks in February are pretty important too. Um, uh, believe me, we know that. But uh, no, it, it, there is. I mean, you know, you, you start in the in the when the season's over from the prior year, and and you work towards this point. Um, you know, coming up to the playoffs, and that's what you're building on as a program because this is the, the biggest time of year. And, um, you know, we've, again, we've put a focus on that of just kind of buying into the process because, uh, you know, that's really how you get better is, is every day you step on the ice, you need guys that want to be out there that, that believe in what you're doing and buy into it and trust it. And uh, I, I think it's, you know, it's it's a credit to I guess the the staff in general just kind of 
getting the right type of kid, to be honest, that, that has that high character, that wants to be a hockey player, wants to be part of Northeastern and kind of believes in what we're doing here. Between your own hockey career and your career as a coach, just mixing it up a little bit, who would you say is the greatest player you've ever shared a team with? Uh, that's either been on my team or coached. Yeah, either a player that you've played with or a player that you've coached. Oh, that's a that's a good question. Um, hmm. I'm not sure. That's a really good question. I, I, I think I might have to think about that. I've played with some pretty good players and uh, coached some really good players. Um, I'm not sure that I could probably pick one, to be honest with you. Um, I, I could speak on a behalf of a few here at Northeastern in the past few years, I, guys like Matt Benning and Josh Manson and John Stevens and Zach Astonese, those those players have been been tremendous to, to coach just because not only are they good players, but like I said, the leadership and the qualities that they bring. Um, I know it challenges me as a coach every day working with guys like that. So uh, it's, you know, and, and I'm, I'm forgetting, you know, we've got a couple younger guys there too, like, you know, Sakara and Gaudette and guys like that. But, you know, again, it, it just working with, with really good players that want to get better. And I, I think it really, it makes you better as a program, makes you better as a coach. And finally, as a coach, what accomplishment are you proudest about your teams having achieved? You've been a coach for quite a while now, so I, I, I figure there might be some things in mind on that as well. Um, well, I think winning hockey East last year was definitely the, you know, that that was the biggest moment. Um, just just to come from where we came from, and you know, guys. Just believing in that process, it was it was very rewarding at the end. Um, the the one thing about last year was, you know, we when we won the when we won hockey East, it was such an accomplishment. It, uh, you know, you kind of want to learn from that because you almost have to park that and, and get ready for the you know the NCAA tournament. And that was something that I think we all kind of learned from last year. Um, and, and we're hoping to get that opportunity again here to get back to the NCAA tournament because I think that's something that we could we can look back on and say, okay, that's that's a great accomplishment, but there's more hockey and there's bigger hockey ahead. Um, but it was it was definitely a uh, it was a great feeling last year with a great group of kids and a staff that uh, that we all really enjoyed that that whole process. And at the end of it, it to look back and say that we we accomplished that was was pretty neat. Jerry Keefe, Associate Head Coach at Northeastern University. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast this afternoon. Uh, No problem at all, Tim, and uh, thanks for having me. You're listening to Puck University on Blog Talk Radio and the American Sports Network. Welcome back to Puck University. I'm joined by Sidney McKibben, the captain of the Wisconsin Badgers. The women's NCAA tournament begins this weekend. Wisconsin will be hosting Robert Morris. Sydney, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you doing? I'm well. Your profile on Wisconsin's website, I have to start here. It mentions an interesting pregame routine, and I quote, Before each game, she juggles, puts on her right skate before her left, and leaves the locker room last. How long have you been juggling? And how many items can you keep in the air at once? <laughs> uh, well, actually, I stopped doing that when I got to college. Uh, I only juggled really in high school. Uh, but I used to juggle three tennis balls before every game. But um, I guess when you come to college, your rituals kind of change and your superstitions change a bit. But uh, still very superstitious and have to follow a strict routine before every game. You led Wisconsin in postseason scoring last year, including a lone goal in the WCHA championship game, and of course, two goals and an assist last weekend in the semifinals and finals of the WCHA tournament. So I suppose it would be safe to say you enjoy the playoff hockey atmosphere. (laughs) I guess so. I think um, the last two seasons have been really fortunate to uh, put the puck in the net at the right time, and um, definitely credit to my line mates. They've been uh, doing a great job, especially last weekend. I thought our line uh, had a lot of opportunities and got a lot of pucks to the net. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a fun weekend and 
exciting to be uh, WCHA playoff champions. In each of the last two years, the Badgers have allowed less than a goal per game defensively, leading the country both years far and away. How does the team go about that in a conference as loaded as the WCHA? Well, first off, it starts with Anne Renee uh, back in that. She's been phenomenal for us uh, the last four years, um, and it's been incredible to see her grow as a goalie. Um, and she's just done all the little things right. She comes to practice every day, works hard, um, and she's the, one of the best goalies to ever play the game. So it starts with her, and then it, it, go, it goes to uh, next to our defense. Um, our team has a lot of pride in our defense and how we play uh, a defensive game. So, um, yeah, I think that's how we've been uh, so well defensively uh, in the last couple of years. Yeah, you mentioned the great goaltending. It's been said so often in hockey that it's become a cliche, but the team with the goalie in the best form is at such a tremendous advantage in this kind of a late-season, postseason scenario. But on the pl on the skating end, how does a team with the country's best goaltender set up for success, and how do you push the advantage to create opportunities on the other end? Well, I think at this point in the season, it's going to come down to a couple bounces or a couple goals. It seems like most of the games are pretty tight. Um, so I think it starts with our defense, and then if we're playing good defense, uh, usually that translates into good offense, and, and we have such strong forwards and people that can put the puck in the net. So uh, we're definitely at a huge advantage there. Heading into the NCAA tournament with the lead in team defense, great goaltending, and the top team in team offense in the country as well, how confident are the Badgers right now compared to, say, last year at this time? Yeah, I think we're definitely confident. Uh, we're happy with how we're playing right now, but I think um, this week is huge for us to continue to get better each day in practice uh, and continue to work hard and, and be prepared for Saturday. Um, I think we just need to focus on ourselves and make sure that we're ready to go and we play the best game we can on Saturday. Robert Morris, the opponent on Saturday, is led by two exceptional scorers. Now, it's easy for people like me to suggest to teams looking to take players like that out of a game, but you've faced so many of the country's best players over your time at Wisconsin. What adjustments does a player in the position of trying to, when you're trying to shut down a player, what adjustments do they generally make when someone's, fo when someone's keying in on them like that? Uh, we'll watch some video, see what their tendencies are, um, see how they play, the systems that they play. Um, but ultimately, I think for us, we just want to make sure that we focus on ourselves and make sure that uh, we're playing the best game we can. I don't think we want to focus on uh, what they're doing too much. Um, and if we are able to do that, I think we'll be successful. What has been the most satisfying thing to you about being the captain of the team this year so far? I think just seeing the growth of our team um, starting out in September and seeing where we are today, I think uh, we've done a phenomenal job, and I think our team chemistry has been incredible. Um, so it's been it's been really nice to see that. To win a couple trophies has been uh, pretty great, too, and I think uh, ultimately we're chasing that last box that we want to check off. So um, that's when I, I'll definitely be the happiest if we can get that last trophy. And again, Wisconsin will be hosting their quarterfinal matchup on Saturday. Wisconsin draws quite the crowd for their games. So just how special is LeBron Arena and the support that the Badgers have been getting throughout the years? Well, I think we have the best fans in the nation. Uh, the game sold out in just a couple hours, and it, it shows how much our fans care about us and how much uh, they love coming to LeBron and love uh, watching us play. And I think we're at a huge advantage when we're at home. Uh, we're comfortable. We love the big crowd, uh, and the fans definitely help us a lot. So it'll be special to play on Saturday, and, and for our seniors, it'll be our last game at home. So it'll be a little bittersweet, but um, definitely very excited to be playing at home. Obviously, there could be something a lot bigger in, in the making right now as the tournament's about to start. But to this point, what is the memory that sticks out at you most so far about your time at Wisconsin and playing for this team that's been so good for so long? Um, the first thing that sticks out to me is uh, the Felder Bowl game this 
year that we played against St. Cloud, uh, we sold out the Kohl Center playing in front of over 15,000 fans. Um, and it was an incredible atmosphere. It was a really special night um, and a, a definitely a special game to be a part of. So that's something I'll, I'll definitely never forget. Yeah, I noticed that game outdrew a couple of NHL games that were held the same day. That's that's quite an accomplishment. Yeah, it's something you don't normally see with women's hockey, and it's not something that uh, that many people can say that they've been a part of. So um, to get more fans in an NHL game is, is pretty cool, and, and we definitely had a lot of fun, and it was nice to get a big win for the fans. And that's... Uh... You you get an atmosphere that not a lot of players get to see in women's hockey. The WCHA has this reputation where they really are well ahead of the curve in supporting the teams, and they have such great teams, of course, in that conference with such traditions, so I'm sure that helps as well. But what's the atmosphere like in a conference as proud of as as the WCHA? Well, it's definitely special to be a part of. Um, every single team on any given night can win, uh, no matter who they're playing. So um, it's definitely a competitive league with a lot of history, um, a lot of national championships, and that's something that we're extremely proud of and, and something that we're happy to be a part of. Um, so we're fortunate to play here in the WCHA, and, and hopefully um, we can get a win for the WCHA on Saturday. All right, Sydney McKibben, the captain of the Wisconsin Badgers, the 23rd player in Wisconsin's program history to tally over 100 points. Thank you so much for coming on this afternoon, and best of luck in the tournament. Thanks very much for having me. That's our show for this week. I'd like to thank my guests, ASN hockey writer Dave Dondino, Northeastern University associate head coach Jerry Keefe, and Wisconsin Captain Sidney McKibben. I'm Tim Williams. I'll be back to recap this weekend's action and preview a couple of big conference semifinals next week. Until then, keep your head up and your hits clean. 